we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at First Baptist Church in this great day to come and worship. As we do so, let me read from John 4, 23 and 24, and may this be the spirit of our worship this morning. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. May that be the hallmark of our gatherings here. May people walk away saying, we met with the Lord in truth this morning, wisdom and truth and all he, that he has, has come to give us. So as we seek, as we endeavor to be that kind of people, take your hymnals if you would, turn to hymn 248, God our Father, we adore thee. Stand together, let's sing. those around you into worship this morning. Welcome to worship. We're grateful that you are here with us at First Baptist Church 
If you are a guest this morning, we would love to get to know you. And the way we do that is through these guest cards that should be in the pew back in front of you. If you would fill that out and put that in the offering plate at the end of the service, we would greatly appreciate it. You may or may not be aware, but our church's 158th birthday is coming soon. In fact, it'll come next week. As you think back through the history and life of this church, for as long as we have gathered in this place, and as many Sundays have people been here in downtown San Antonio worshiping the Lord, our message has remained the same. Jesus Christ lives, and Jesus Christ is our Lord. And so that's why we gather together this morning. We've come into His presence to give glory to His name because He is good. He is our Savior and Redeemer. So let us worship from the bottom of our hearts today because our God is good. Let us pray. Father, we come into this time of worship recognizing your holiness. Lord, when we stand before you, we recognize our, our own brokenness. And we pray this morning that your spirit would work on our hearts in such a way that we might be made holy. Lord, that, that our hearts and minds would be encouraged to praise your holy name, to hold you up as our creator and Lord. So Lord, we look up. We say thank you and we remember all that you have done for us. And we give back to you this moment of praise. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I hope you've read the reverse passage this week. I hope you read it every day. Um, it's good to just absorb the text and just continue to, to live in it and live, see what God will reveal to you. As Jesus was talking to these Pharisees, you can probably hear the formation of this parable that he would, he would later tell his, his disciples um, of, of how we show love and care and mercy towards one another. So look at Luke 15, 3 through 7. Follow along as I read this and, and hear Jesus' heart in this. So he, Jesus, then told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he's come home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep, which was lost. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Aren't you grateful for the word of the Lord? Let's continue to worship everybody. Hymn 188 is the great physician that speaks of the one who heals. Let's sing this with all of our hearts, standing together as we sing.
and children, come on down to the front. Come meet me right here on these steps. Yeah, come on down. So good to see y'all this morning. Yeah, we're supposed to sit right here. Yeah, come on in. We want to welcome all of our congregation on TV this morning. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our church. We're, we're grateful that, that you are here and you are with us today. Morning. Hey, everybody. Come on down. i got a few more coming. Come on down. Hey. All right. I've got um, just a couple questions for y'all this morning because we're going to have a meal together here shortly. So let me ask you. I'll kind of ask this side first, and then I'll turn this way, okay? So, so this way, um, who, who do you normally eat with? You can just say to your parents. Grandma. Who do you, family. My brother. Your brother. Yeah, anybody else who you normally eat? Yeah, eat with your brother and your mom. Good. What about this side? Who do you, who do you normally eat with? Siblings. Siblings. I eat with my mommy, daddy, my grandma, and grandpa. Mo- mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa. Good. Yeah. Who do you eat with? Sisters. Sisters. Good. Yeah, your cousins too? Well, good. That actually takes, oh yeah, one more. What, who do you normally eat with? Your family? Yeah, that, that's good. Now, let me ask you that. Now, I know this is going to be a hard question, okay? In fact, they're not going to listen out there, all right? Nobody knows going to listen. So, you, let's start on this side. Tell me, who's your favorite person to eat with? You say it out loud. Who, who's your favorite person? My brother. My mom. grandma. Brother, mom, cousin. Grandma. Nobody. That's not, that's not right. Family. Your dad, yeah. What about, what about on this side? Who's your favorite person to eat with? Um, Go ahead. Yeah. My sister. Sister, yeah. Sister. sister. Um, my mom and dad and grandpa and grandpa. Mom, dad, yeah, all the family. All of them is your favorite? Yeah, what, who's your favorite person? Family. Your family. Man, y'all are so good and so diplomatic saying family. Yeah, one more. Who's your favorite person? My friends. Your friends. That's always good, too. All right, let me ask one more. What, what, what do you got? No one. Nobody either? Man. Oh, that's not good. All right, let me ask you this. So has, has anybody, have you ever eaten with somebody famous? Uh, no. No? You, uh, nobody. 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 Ooh, Manu Ginobili. There you go. Nobody? nobody. Anybody else? Nobody. No, nobody famous? Nobody. No, nobody. Well, I'm going to tell you. Let me give you, let me give you a little... Um, little hint here. Oh, yeah, have you eaten with somebody famous? No one. Nobody either. Oh, man, you got me. All right, so today, you know what? We're, we're going to have a meal with somebody famous today. In fact, every time we take the Lord's Supper, we have a meal with Jesus Christ. Maybe the most famous name this world has ever known. And so we're, we're going to have this meal with him. And just so you all are aware, this is the way we do it. If you have accepted Christ in your heart, you can have this meal with us. Now, if you haven't yet, and usually for most of us, that means if you're not baptized yet, we ask you to wait. Because um, this is a meal with the Lord, with, with his children, and so we ask you to wait until you've accepted Christ as your Savior. But if you have, if you've been baptized, you can come and you can take this meal with us, and we're going to have a time with Jesus together, and it's going to be good, okay? All right, let's, let's pray, and let's get ready for our meal with Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We pray that as the meal is passed, Lord, you would touch our hearts, hold us in your arms, and Lord, reassure us of your everlasting love. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Good job. Okay, so looking through the hymnal, trying to find texts and hymns that specifically talk about Jesus healing and and, uh, came across this 477. It's not one that we sing a lot. The tune is an old French tune and you've probably heard it before, but I I don't think that we've sung these texts. So please, I'm asking that when you hear it, that you'll lean into it. Jesus' hands were kind hands, doing good to all. And as we read these texts about Jesus healing, it's just so appropriate. So I hope you'll worship through this as we sing it today. This is 477. Let's stand together and sing this. 
remain standing as we prepare to read from the Word. If you would, go ahead and find your listening sheet. It should be in your bulletin. It should look like this. We're going we're to read Matthew 12, 9 through 13 together. This, then, is the text for today. Departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, then, is a man than a sheep? So then, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored to normal like the other. May God bless the reading of his word. So a man and his sheep both fall into a pit on the Sabbath. What do you do? You come across this scene. How are you going to behave? Now, many of us, you know, we have good hearts. We're ready to go. And if, if we saw that scene, out of our good hearts, we'd be ready to help. Whatever we could do, we'd be calling people to say, come in, come help us. There's a man and a sheep that have fallen into this pit. But our pharisaical brothers would say, no, 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 no. Not so fast. That there are Sabbath protocols that we all must follow if a man and his sheep fall into a pit. The difficulty, though, is with all of these pharisaical protocols around the Sabbath is that they didn't all agree on what these should be. And they didn't all agree on how far-reaching these should go. And in all of their disagreement, they never came to any kind of unity. It was like this. If, if you saw a man and his sheep fall into a pit over here, they'd be totally different than if you saw a man and his sheep fall into a pit over here. The Pharisee over here would give you one answer, and the Pharisee over there would give you another answer. So the, the Pharisee on this side would say, oh, well, you, you, don't wanna, you can't help them out of the pit, but you can take some food, throw the food down there, and take a rope, and throw the rope down there, then it's up to them. Let them be. Then the, 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 the Pharisee over here, he would say, no, 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 you can't throw a rope down there. You can, you can throw food. So you walk in there, you throw them food, but no rope. Then one behind us would come in and say, no food, no rope, and don't you dare try to help them unless one of them is about to die. If that sheep or that man isn't about to die, you leave them there. And then there's another Pharisee over there behind the choir who would say, well, is the sheep pregnant? Because if the sheep is pregnant, that changes the whole scenario. See, this is the backstory of our text for today. It's one of controversy that was never settled. And the Pharisees love to debate back and forth on the applications of God's law. How is this supposed to play out? Who are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do with these commands? And they would have elaborate schemes of how to follow each and every one. Thousands of fence laws around God's truth to make sure that the law wasn't broken. But let's look at the specific commandment today. Commandment 4, Exodus 20, should be on the screen. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. This is the command. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of the Lord your God. In it, and here's the line, in it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God's work there very explicitly says no work on the Sabbath. And so all of those Pharisees and their legal minds went to work that day to figure out exactly what no work means. 
And so that, that can mean just about anything to say there's no work on the Sabbath day. We, we need to narrow it down and figure out what this actually means and what God is calling us to do here. You see, these, the Pharisees had heard about Jesus in today's text. They'd heard all about Jesus. They even came in near to Jesus and recognized they're standing face to face with the creator of the universe. Face to face with the Lord God Almighty. And do they bow down and worship him when they're standing in the presence of the Christ? They don't, do they? They, they don't bow down and worship the Christ. In fact, they do is they drag him down into their controversy. Their goal and their hope there is to drag Jesus down. In fact, they're going to look at him and say, you aren't holy, but we're holier than you are. And that's, that's the purpose of this whole exercise is they're, they're trying to make it clear and known that Jesus is not who he says he is because even they are holier than he is. He, he can't be the son of God because these Pharisees standing in that room are holier than he is. And see, they know in their hearts that they've got all this figured out because the, what they assume and their argument that they make here is that the, the more restrictive that you can make that law, the holier you are. And in fact, they know in their hearts that they are more of a stickler on this law than Jesus is. And if Jesus isn't going to hold up all of their ends of the law, then they must be holier than this man, Jesus Christ. They're telling Jesus, we keep this law better than you do. And so they come, and they come into the presence of Christ to make themselves look better and affirm everything that they already believe. See, that's why they're walking towards the Christ. They're going to tell the Christ, this is the way this is going to go. They're going to tell the Christ, this, this is who we're going to be, and this is what holiness looks like. And let me tell you something. If you're walking into the presence of Jesus Christ to tell him what holiness looks like, or to tell him this is the way this is going to go, you are sorely mistaken. Because that's not the way it's going to go when we step into the presence of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, if you think you can approach the Christ without changing your heart or changing your mind, you don't know who he is. We're in trouble if we think we're going to stand before the Christ and not be transformed. You see, they go ahead. They're there with the Christ and with all the snark that they can gather up amongst themselves, they ask Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they take that phrase, you, you shall do no work on the Sabbath, and they say, we're going to put to heal falls under that work. See, in their minds, they know what Jesus is thinking. But in reality, Jesus knows what they're thinking. See, they're thinking, if we expand the meaning of no work to include no healing, that's going to make us really holy. And listen to how Jesus responds to them. Well, look at how Jesus responds to them in verses 11 and 12. So this is our text for today, Matthew 12, 11 and 12. And so he says to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, then, is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Of course, if your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you're going you're to help him out. You know, there actually was, there was another decision made by, by one of the groups in Jesus' day, and they decided this was the answer to this question, that you, you really could. You could take a ladder, so if your sheep falls into a pit... You could take a ladder and put that ladder down into the pit, but you couldn't help the sheep get out. You, if, if the sheep learned how to use the ladder on its own, then the sheep could use the ladder to get out that you put there, but you couldn't help the sheep learn how to use the ladder. See, that's the kind of thing that Jesus was dealing with here on the legal restrictions of what it means to do no work on the Sabbath. Jesus' point here is that all of that legal maneuvering on whether or not you put a ladder in the pit or not doesn't make you holy. It doesn't make you holier if you say, I'm not going to put a ladder in the pit today. But that's not what makes us holy. That's not what makes us right with God. Any of these legal maneuvering is just going to make us distant from who God is and what God intended. Just take the sheep out of the pit. See, and this is where Jesus tells them the truth. 
In fact, he zeroes in on the truth of the moment. He says, if there's a person down there, it'd be ridiculous to leave them down there when you could just as easily help them out. See, we need to cling to where Jesus is going here in these moments. You as an individual matter deeply to God. God cares about you. It's not just just humanity as a whole, but God cares about you as an individual, and he loves you. And he will wrap his arms around you, and he will care for you, and he will provide for you day in and day out. See, you as an individual, you you matter. God wouldn't let a sparrow fall to the ground without his knowing. Every time their wings flaps and their little hearts beat, God knows his creation inside and out. And Jesus says, you're worth more than that. You're worth more than a sparrow. In fact, look with me at, at Luke 12, 6 and 7. So we look at Luke 12, 6 and 7, should be on the screens. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? So a sparrow less than half a cent each. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, there are days that we feel like we're worth less than half a cent. There there are days that we we certainly feel worthless in this world. And, And God has hope for us this morning. The truth of the gospel is that you matter to God. Even in those days where you feel like you're worth nothing before the Lord, that's the moment that God will pick you up and say that you are his, you are his child, and he loves you dearly. God has not forgotten you. You are not lost. You're not alone. You have a Lord, a heavenly Father, who cares deeply about you. And when you come running home, he will open his arms and come running to embrace you in that moment when you come back to the Lord. See, what we have to recognize in this, and we have to recognize in this church today is that you have a place in the kingdom of God with a purpose that is perfectly suited for you. So what God has in store for you is is a work and a life in the church that is beautiful and holy. Now, we know that sin terribly damages us. But even in that, if sin terribly damages us, do not forget that you belong to God and you hold immense value in his kingdom. So much so that God sent his son for you. His son to die on your behalf so that you might be redeemed and brought into his kingdom as an heir to the glory of God. We see in our text today that Jesus then turns his attention to this unassuming man with the withered hand, most likely put on display by the Pharisees, almost like a prop Are you going to heal this man, Jesus? You know, to them, I'm not sure that man was worth much. But to Jesus, he's worth everything in that moment. And Jesus tells him to stretch out his hand. Notice the difference here. Notice the difference in response. When the Pharisees are standing face to face with Jesus Christ, They sought to drag him down. But when this man with a withered hand is standing face to face with the Christ who's perfectly obedient, there was no hesitation. There was no questioning. There was no complications. Jesus says, stretch out your hand, and that's exactly what he does. He just stretches out his hand. Exactly what Jesus told him to do when Jesus asked him to do it. Immediate obedience led to immediate restoration. This is, this is how you respond to Jesus Christ. When you're with Jesus, you, you obey immediately. You hear what he says, and you stretch out your hand. You, you don't involve him in debate, in arrogant controversies on who's holier or what this was meant to be or when this is supposed to happen. See, don't don't be like the Pharisees who come up with every complication on why this might not be so, but respond like the man with the withered hand who just immediately obeyed the Christ. It's a beautiful picture of faith in this text this morning. See, there's some of us, we're sitting here, we do, we have good hearts. We, we want to know the Lord. We want to sit with the Lord. We want to be with the Lord. 
But you know, there, there are days that we tell ourselves, well, I, I don't know, I don't know what that means. I've, I've never heard Jesus Christ say, stretch out your hand. If he told me to stretch out my hand, I would stretch out my hand. You know, and I, I, I may not know exactly what the Lord has for you this morning, but I want, you to, I want to tell you what, what I found. What I found for me in the presence of the Lord. And this is a good, good practice for us. If we want to know the work of Jesus Christ and what the next steps might be, where God might be leading us, if we're discerning the hope of the Lord in our future, you go to the word of the Lord. You get on your knees in prayer and you ask the Lord, Lord, tell me and I will obey. Sit in his presence, hear his voice, know his word, and trust him. And when he says stretch out your hand, you stretch out your hand. But you know what I found? When I went to the Lord and sat before him, this is what I found. I found Matthew 4, 17. So look with me there. It'll be on the screens. Matthew 4, 17. This is Jesus is, is beginning his ministry. He's gone through the baptism. He's gone through the temptation. And now he's coming to his time of ministry. In fact, Matthew 4 says this is, this is the first word of Jesus' ministry. The first thing that he said is he's going out to the people and he's going into the presence of all of these people and all of these miracles. This is the first thing he says. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look with me at the next one. Look at Matthew 11, verse 20. It's just in the chapter before where we're reading today. In fact, Jesus has been going all over. We've read some of these miracles already where he's been healing the blind. He's been healing the lepers. And, and Jesus is, is, is distraught in this moment. He began to denounce these cities, the cities where he had been going and he had been working. He had been proclaiming his name. He had been looking at people face to face, healing them. There were miracles in that present, in their presence. See, he began to denounce the cities in which most of these miracles were done because Why? Because they did not repent. They were in the presence of the Lord, and they did not repent. Look at, look at another one in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 6, verse 12. Mark 6, 12. This is where Jesus is sending his 12 disciples out. It's the first time he's got his disciples together. He tells the 12 of them, you're going to go and you're going to minister. I'm going to teach you how to do it. You're going to go in pairs. And so they got in six, with six uh, pairs. They begin to minister on the countryside. And Jesus tells them, you know, don't take anything with you. And he begins to share with them how to do this. And as they go, this is, this is the word that they're given, Mark 6, 12. They went out and preached that men should repent. Keep going with me. Luke 5. Luke 5. This is, this is going backwards a little bit. This is where Jesus is called Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. He says, you're going to follow me. And Matthew follows him. And in this moment, Matthew just gathers all of his tax collector friends. He says, you come meet Jesus. Jesus this, this man is the, the, the truth. And so he gathers all of his tax collector friends, and they begin to have a meal with Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees are gathering. They say, what is he doing? Look, we're holier than him. Look, look at the people he's eating with. He's eating with tax collectors. We must be holier than that guy. And this is how Jesus responds to them. It's Luke 5, 32. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And one more. Look at, look at what I found at the, the end of Luke. This is Luke 24, 46 and 47. This is right before the ascension. Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. He's met with his disciples. And, and this is the Great Commission in Luke 24. It's Luke's version of the Great Commission. And as, as he's leaving this earth, this is what he says to his disciples. Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The first word of his ministry is, is you go and repent. And then he's, he's, he's giving the great commission in Luke. He's saying, this is, we proclaim the repentance, the forgiveness of sins. They repent, return to the Lord, confess your sin, and be forgiven. If, if we don't know what Jesus Christ is asking us this morning, let me turn you to the Gospels. Let me turn you to the first thing that Jesus said, the last thing that he's telling him in the ascension in Luke. He's telling, he's, he's going, everybody repent. Come unto me, return to the Lord, and confess your sin, and be made right. 
See, God wants to restore your life, and he's saying, bow down before me and be restored. Come into my holy presence and let your brokenness be healed. See, this is, this is when this man responds to Jesus in our text for today, the man with the withered hand, and he responds to Jesus with obedience. His hand was restored immediately, completely. And this is is who the Christ is. This is the work of the Christ on this earth. Jesus restores. Jesus makes things right. He makes things the way they should be, the the way they ought to be. This is what he does. But we get so discombobulated in this world. We get so turned around, we don't know which way is up. We're we're like a a scuba diver stuck in a dark abyss without a lifeline. We, we We don't know what way is up, and we're running out of time. Jesus will give you breath and restore you to life this morning. It's like Jesus healed this man's man's hand. Will he not also heal your heart this day? And that's a mighty word when we, we land before him and he begins to do a work in us that we could never do on our own, healing our heart. So we have a question before us. Are we, are we gonna respond to Jesus this morning like the Pharisees did? They're standing face to face with him. Like all of those people in those cities. He's I've done miracles in all kinds of cities and not, not one of them repented. Will you respond like the Pharisees who met Jesus and entrenched themselves in cynicism? Or are you gonna respond like this man with the withered hand who met Jesus and obeyed at once. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray together. Father, we have seen your work. See it in creation. Hear it in the stories we're told to remember. We've seen it in our own lives. It's a mighty work of the Spirit beyond us. And Lord, we, we pray this morning you would begin to do something good, holy in our hearts. Lord, we bow before you, trusting you in hope of restoration. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Deacons, would you begin to prepare the table? And as they do, we will prepare our hearts. You know, we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 11 that we're, we're not to take of this meal in an unworthy manner. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of this cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he's to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let us repent and fall before the Lord. Be made right by him. And take of this supper. We have a moment of silence to pray. Pray, ask the Lord to search your heart to make you right, and we'll take the supper together. Let's pray. Lord, it is you alone who can restore us. Make our hearts right. Reveal your holiness that we might be pure, perfect, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and serve the bread.
Jesus just before he went to the cross and this meal with his disciples. He asked that it would continue on. It would be this moment of remembrance that we would remember that which Jesus Christ gave up for us, for you. This is how Matthew records it. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. That body was the perfect sacrifice, exactly what we needed. The sacrifice for our sake. Deacons, come and bring the cup.
after Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and this is what he said. Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. in remembrance of our Lord. Let us pray. We remember that you paid it all. Lord, we, we point to the night of the crucifixion. We point to the glorious morning of the resurrection. And Lord, we submit our hearts unto you. You are our Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of response now. Everybody in here is going to have an opportunity to respond unto the Lord as we stand before the Christ. Are we going to respond as the Pharisees? and questions and confusion? Are we going to respond as the man with the withered hand to be perfectly obedient? How's God calling you to respond to him this morning? Let's do so faithfully. Now, we have some things available for you. On the bottom of your listening sheet, there's a, there's a few ways you respond there. Maybe you need to take the time to, to do one of those. The altar is open. We're, we're already praying. You can come down here pray with us. Kneel before the Lord. So come down and do that. I'll be here too. Uh, Brian is here. If you want to talk about accepting Christ or being a part of this church, this is time to do it. Let's, let's talk. We're going to sing. We're going to give. And we're going to do so cheerfully. So let's do that together. Let's be obedient to our Lord. So if you need to remain seated, that's fine. The rest, let's stand as we respond.
worship. Please be seated as we do so now through our giving. Turn our attention to our life together. I have a few things for you today. One of those, this week, our women's Bible study begins Tuesday at 9.30. This is always a fruitful time in the life of the church. Now, our women will be studying together the book of Proverbs um, this semester. So I hope you'll take the time to come and be a part of that. That's a good thing in the life of this church. Then at the end of the week, Friday and Saturday, we will have our annual strategic planning sessions. This is a time for you to come and be with the staff and help pray with us and help us discern what God might have next for us as a church. And so we do that together every January. It's a Friday night at 6 p.m. or Saturday morning at 9 a.m. So they, they, they are both the same thing. You should just come to one or the other, but we would love for you to be a part of that with us. We also want to give you a heads up about something that's coming back. And one of the things that I was asked about early and often is the old business Bible lunch. And Scott Lane, Manny Ruiz have been working on that diligently. And in fact, we will have a business Bible lunch that will begin Wednesday, uh, February 12th at noon. 
fact, we have a great speaker that's going to be here and be a part of that. I don't know if I'm at liberty to announce that name yet, but it's going to be good, and it's going to be a good time of lunch together. Lunch will be $5, um, but it'll be worth much more than that, I promise you. So it's going to be a good day. So go ahead and put that on your calendars and bring somebody with you. It's going to be over in our, our new space in 4th Street Crossing on Wednesday, February 12th. We, we also have a, a sad note here. Um, we have kept Charlie Wedge around as long as we possibly could. <laughs> Charlie was supposed to retire a year ago, um, and we wouldn't let him. And he remained faithfully. But Charlie has now officially retired. He's sitting up here in the balcony. He and Deborah are up there, and so that's so why I'm looking that way. He is officially retired, and immediately following the service, we're going to go over to Unity Hall and tell Charlie we love him and thank him for his work here. So we ask you, after the service, kind of go in Unity Hall and tell Charlie you love him because he's done good work here. And our church um, has been blessed because Charlie Wedge has served well as our executive pastor of administration. So Charlie, we love you. Thank you. That is a good man who has served the Lord faithfully. Now, just because you clap doesn't mean you can skip the Unity Hall, okay? You got, you got to go over there, too. Um, and we, we also, lastly, we have a welcome to the world. Uh, Brian and Alexa Salter have had their new... Wait, that's not, that's not the right baby. That's Sedona. That's the, that's the wrong baby. All right. Their baby is Riley, not that one. Um, I don't know where that came from. But their baby is Riley, and we love the Lord. We love them, and praise God for this, this new life that has come into the world. You know, with, with that note, we, we do love the cobblers. Yeah, we love the cobblers as well. They're wonderful people, but we've already done theirs. <laughs> but we, we love them. Hey, can I just turn the mic over to Brian? All right. Brian, would you come and, and you, you take this ship? I have to follow Chris, who says, I don't know where that baby came from. So I, 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 Chris, I, okay. Uh, this morning, here are, here are Danny and Letty Cansino and their family, and Danny and Letty are coming for membership by statement here at First Baptist Church. We're grateful for Danny and Letty. Yeah, you come stand with them. Uh, if, if you look forward in walking in faith with them, would you say amen? Amen. And we love you. That's right. Amen. We're grateful you guys are here. And then we also have, we also have this morning, Caroline Lund, who is coming, receiving Christ as her personal Savior. Stand with Caroline. Caroline is, is coming forward for baptism, and we're grateful for her and, and her life and her faith and her family. Uh, if you look forward in walking in faith with Caroline, would you say amen? Amen. And we love you. That's right. And we'll, we'll make our way over to the door. If y'all come by after and, and greet them, it, it'll be a, a good day and a good morning. Thank you. We're dismissed now to go do the good work that God has called us to do. So as we go out, let us sing that God, that he be our vision. Be thou my vision. Stand together and let's sing.
God bless you. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.